Welcome to Reputation Matters. I'm Creighton Webb. I'm very excited to introduce the second part of my conversation with Abe Minkara. Before his work with Mark Cuban on Shark Tank, Abe created a scalp care company. We discussed the story behind that and a more recent venture of his called Legacy Night. Please enjoy. Almost six years ago, left four four and a half years. Okay, ago. all right, all right. I'm I'm giving you too much yeah. time. <laughs> so, left Cuban companies and co-founded Legacy Night. Yes. Um, so, first of all, why, and and what is Legacy Night? So, Legacy Night is a, is a boutique multifamily office, and basically at a high and level. For those who don't know, what does that mean? So. I'll tell you something that will lead into it. So let's say to summarize with, with Mark, I used to support entrepreneurs from startup to all the way to an exit when they sell their business or get acquired, right? With Legacy Night, now I'm supporting entrepreneurs after their big liquidity event when they sell their business. Got it. So it's kind of the next part of the journey um, and working with entrepreneurs at this next phase of life. Um, which is very satisfying too. Now, Legacy Night, um, what is a multifamily office? So a multifamily office is, I guess in, in layman's terms, it's a wealth management group yeah. that supports ultra high net worth investors or um, families or individuals. So basically you have a family office, which is kind of a new term that you're hearing these days, yeah. basically is a family or a family that has significant wealth where they have, they can justify hiring a team. So it's almost like a business to manage your portfolio instead of having everything outsourced uh, to different firms. You have a team that manages your investment strategy manages kind of all the different asset classes you're investing in. They source investment opportunities, are very proactive in it. They do the diligence and are aligned with the overall strategy and legacy of the family over time. Um, Now, at what point can you you justify hiring a a team? I mean, if you're at a billion plus, you can easily justify hiring a team, right? <laughs> I can imagine. And most billionaires have their own family office. Sure. Um, what a multifamily office is, is it's a team. It's, it's almost like having that high, kind of a, um, a highly, um, um, a highly professional team of family office investment experts that put together the platform, similar to family office, but they, the back end is all shared from by all the different families that are part of that group. Okay. Could be 10 families, could be 100 families, right? But what, what each family is getting is a much lower cost to a family office platform right. versus doing it on their own. And then on the investment side, the team has access to a lot of different investment opportunities. So their access getting you kind of the best deals that are out there um, is, is exponential at that point. And, and you get the kind of the power of sizing up as one group when you invest versus having to go and compete for those deals on your own with a smaller check size. So there's power as a group 
and there and one may have investment opportunities for the other. Yeah. That that's brokered all through exactly through, through you. Yeah. Yeah. So, when you are bringing these opportunities to the families that you represent or that work for you, is it all? Is it just about the numbers, or does the reputation of either the firm or the fund play a role in the advice? And if so, how so? Of course. Um, like when, because it's when you're investing in a business or investing in a fund. I mean, you're investing in people, right? You're investing in in their track record, especially you know with the fund managers. Um, you're investing in the reputation of the, the managing partners. Um, it's all about reputation. Um, and the same thing with investing directly with a founder CEO, right? In your diligence, if you know you talk to their employees. You talk to their other investors and, and board advisors. You talk to um, uh, their vendors and, and try to assess kind of what type of individual is is kind of going to be running the ship that you're investing in. And it so like I said, it could be a fund, it could be a, a company. And same thing with the fund managers. I mean, we are investing in their ability to execute on their strategy over and over and deliver results. Um, and ideally, you know, they just exceed the expectations at all times. Has there ever been a situation where the numbers looked really good, but there was something about either blatantly the reputation of, of the firm or fund, or um, even you mentioned people, yeah. the feeling you got where it raised a red flag and you, you told one of your knights, as you call them, or one of your family investors, you know what, I, I don't, the numbers look good, but I don't feel good about this. It happens a lot, especially, I mean, we see deals come our way all the time. Um, and we also leverage our network um, just to, to check on um, the individuals that are running that investment strategy. Because, uh, and a lot of deals fall through just because, you know, great business model, um, great team, but the founder, um, there's just, something about his reputation that um, is not where you need it to be. So it's not flying colors from everyone. And that kind of puts, puts a pause on the investment. Yeah. Um, and, we, and it's across the board too, like we've seen some, and all it takes is one mistake sometimes to mess your reputation. Um, I know a situation, I can't say who it is, but Say it's a well-known billionaire um, that ended up kind of not really do, being a great fiduciary for his investors, mm -hmm. and it really messed up his reputation. As a result, anything for us that's associated with that individual, we're not going to invest in. And all it takes is just the one, one. And so it's you know. It's really hard to build trust. It's really hard to build a, a great reputation. And it's all about maintaining it. Because if you mess up um, and you're in, the, in that business, you know how difficult it is to kind of yeah. reverse the damage that's done from well, a reputational basis. I mean, even it was Warren Buffett, right, who was like, you can do a thousand good things, but one, one bad day, one bad reputation yeah. can ruin, ruin the, whole, that's right. the whole deal. So where did Legacy Night come from? What's the story? 
So great question. So Legacy Night, um, initially we were going to go with, because in the ultra high net worth wealth management space, it's all about legacy, right? You're, you're protecting the family's legacy over the years. You're kind of extending it through multiple generations if you do it right, right? Um, so the, the initial kind of concept was a legacy multifamily office. Um, when we started with a legacy multifamily office, for me from a branding perspective, it was too generic, it, right? And I remember Googling legacy multifamily office to see what is out there. And we were lost. Um, and I remember organically, like maybe two senior living facilities popped up. Sure. As on top of the, uh, the Google search page. And they're like, this is not where we want to belong. So I've, we were looking for an anchor for legacy. And then just kind of um, when we found our office space uh, that we're still in now, it was on Knight Street. And we, when the moment we walked into that office space, we said, okay, this is, this is where our business is going to be born. And something clicked with that night, um, a legacy night, started to have a nice ring to it. Um, and then we built kind of the story around it. The night is a protector of the family's legacy, right? The night is a strategic piece on the chessboard. And then the best part, the domain was only 10 bucks, <laughs> legacynight.com. <laughs> Um, so it, it, and that's kind of how it came together and Legacy Night uh, became a brand. I remember we, we, had, we were talking about Legacy Night, multi, like MFO or multifamily office as our domain. I said, no, we're a brand, Legacy Night, that's it. We'll be known as Legacy Night and um, that's what happens. And now because of those decisions we made that were very intentional on day one on, from a branding perspective, not only it helps us be um, kind of more recognizable in the space, because we're not a, just a generic legacy services firm. We're Legacy Knight. We're different. We're our own brand. We're in our own category. And what's amazing is it really worked out from an SEO perspective. So if you Google leg, um, multifamily office Dallas or family office Dallas, we're either first or in the top five organic searches. Fantastic. Which is amazing. Which for us is a big deal because we're an industry where we, we don't market, we don't advertise. It's all about reputation, it's all about word of mouth. But so when people search and find you, that's, you already have a head start. You have been an entrepreneur. Through Shark Tank, you mentored entrepreneurs. In your personal life, you've mentored entrepreneurs. Do you feel like you're a long ways away from that now, dealing with high net? It's, I don't necessarily think of a, someone who's reached billionaire status as still being an entrepreneur. <laughs> well, here's, here's where it is, because like the majority of our families are entrepreneurs. Yeah. Who, so we're, what's, I guess what's great about what we do is truly providing value for these entrepreneurs. Because a lot of entrepreneurs, they work all their lives to get to a point where they've created enough value in their company that someone's willing to pay a lot of money to acquire it. And, but they never plan for what's next. What do I do when I have 100 million in my bank account? Yeah. How do I make sure I don't lose it, right? <laughs> right. Um, 
So, but what's great about entrepreneurs is the entrepreneurs, even after a big liquidity event, they might take a pause for a year, but then they're gonna be back in the game. They're either gonna be back to create impact, because entrepreneurs wanna create impact. And a lot of them will go back and do it in a, a for-profit manner, because they know how to do that. And some might just say, I wanna create impact in a, in a kind of philanthropic, philanthropic way, and that's where they focus all their energy. Some do both, um, but we love entrepreneurs that are back in the game, yeah. and they're they're out to build the next billion, um, you know, billion dollar company, and it's usually more mission focused. You know, they've 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 learned a lot from their their first journey. Um, they were successful at it, and now they're going to be much more intentional on what they're going to build, the value they're going to create and even intentional on who they expect to sell this company to. Because they don't want it to go to just anybody. Exactly. Yeah, they have a legacy to protect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want our last chapter to be a little bit about you. Uh, so I mentioned you were an entrepreneur. Um, I remember when you launched um, uh, a cosmetic, a, a skincare product, bold for men. Yeah. Right? I, uh, I love your haircut. Thank I, you. I have aspirations. <laughs> I, I'm on my way, but I'm told that I would never look uh, uh, nearly as good as you do with your haircut. So, um, this, this, well, why don't you talk a little bit about bold for men, what it was, and why, why you created it? Yeah, so that was my first kind of entrepreneurial journey. And I wanted to, basically, I, I, you know, they say, if, if you want to start a business, where do you start? And usually it's, you have a pain point yeah. um, that you want to solve. Yeah. And for me, um, it was, I could not find the right grooming products for men for head shavers. Yeah. So I thought, well, let's go create one. Um, and that's what I did. Yeah. And um, the whole concept behind Bold is, and this was, in the days where you didn't really see a lot of people shaving their head. Now, a lot of people shave their heads. It's yes. becoming kind of a more common thing. But kind of the messaging was kind of, you know, own it, and you're not bald, you're bold. Right. That's kind of where the, the branding came from, right? And for me, it was great because I got to wear every hat as an entrepreneur and you do it all, and then as you grow as a business, you start delegating and hiring people. Um, so it was a great experience. And then same thing, I mean, with Legacy Night, even though we're, we're a multifamily office, it was a startup four years ago. We started with, um, you know, with, with one employee, we're two co-founders, and now we have a team of 16, and we're yeah, growing. You're growing. Yeah, but well, we had to wear every hat, you know, right. in the first year, all. we had you, to do it all. You were doing IT. Right. At the yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you one more question about bold, though, and for really from a reputation perspective, because if you think about it then and now, not much has changed when it comes to marketing reputation around men's hair care products, particularly around baldness. Yeah. Like it, it, it's terrible, right? I mean, terrible if you look at the pro a the products that are out there, b their brand reputation, and c the way they market or talk about themselves. Well, I mean, this seemed perilous. How did you think about this, or maybe you didn't? Like, I'm, I'm just gonna plow in, and what did you do in order to differentiate yourself? Well, for me, um, 
I positioned the product as a premium product. So it, was, it, it wasn't, um, so it was a little bit more expensive, yeah. but basically you're paying for quality. Right. And so that was part of our messaging and that was our positioning for the product. So I, I think that in, you know, wasn't, wasn't like the, the women's um, anti-aging products that cost three, four hundred dollars. It's um, still affordable, but it was positioned as a premium product for men. Yeah. And I think that really helped us kind of get our niche in place yeah. and, um, and allowed us to really engage with, with our customers in providing something unique. Yeah. It was also a waterless shave, which was different. Um, so it wasn't as messy. It was, it was fun. It was fun working through the whole process with all the way from working with the chemists on day one um, to come up with the products and then once you have the product, getting it to market. Uh, you, have, you have always been someone that strikes me as being aware of, maybe not in these words, but of your reputation and how you present yourself. In fact, I remember I found literally, I, and we were talking about this not long ago, but over the weekend, I found when you and I met in 2003, you said, let me give you my card. And it was this thing. And it literally says, my card. My card. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it has your, your uh, email address and phone number on that. That's great. What principles of reputation have you adhered to as you've worked to build your, old, your own brand for the different chapters of your career in life? Well, I think it's, it's a combination of hard work and, and integrity. Um, I think integrity is a big part of that. Um, the other thing is, and that's something Cuban used to say, is there's, there's nothing wrong with being nice. Just so um, I think it's just, you know, being reciprocal in, 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 in your relationships and, and trying to be there for kind of what we're talking about is always trying to be there for your friends, your family, your, your network, your colleagues, and then extend that. Um, and think about always, how can you create value in anything you do? Uh, how can you, and value means also working on relationships, right? Um, yeah. So in everything you do, you, you always have to maintain a certain level of integrity, but you still have to put the work to maintain those relationships. And I think that's a big deal. Yeah, take the time. Take the time, yeah. yeah. All right, so we're gonna finish with a lightning round, right? <laughs> I love your eyes. Okay, Okay. so the first, first these are questions uh, about, about you in particular, and then, these are, then the, 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 the remainder of the questions are ones we ask every guest. Okay, okay so we're gonna go quick. First, uh, what was your favorite invention or business on Shark Tank? The favorite invention or business on Shark Tank, I the the Power Pot. Okay. I the Power Pot was a a pot with a thermoelectric pad. When you add water and put it over a source of heat, it generates a current so you can charge your phone. Wow. Or, um, off the grid. Okay. How about the craziest invention or business you saw on Shark Tank? Successful or I think the craziest in terms of a concept and how successful, crazily successful they've been, is dude products or dude wipes. Yeah, it's unbelievable. These guys are rock stars. Yeah, they're still crushing it. 
Yeah, yeah, they're cleaning it up. So yeah, they're cleaning it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, what's the number one piece of advice you give entrepreneurs? Never give up. There's always a way. And what's the best piece of advice, either as an entrepreneur or a businessman or a human being or a man that you've ever been given? Be true to who you are. Good. Okay, here we go. Favorite subject in school? Math. What'd you major in in college? Um, engineering, computer engineering, and business. Now, you're from Lebanon, but yeah. grew up in France. France. In yeah. France. Okay, great. So, favorite holiday? Christmas. Uh, favorite hobby? Skiing. Favorite guilty pleasure? Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> favorite brand? Favorite brand? Um, Ferrari. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got good taste. Uh, <laughs> is that advice you give to your knights? I think it's time to invest in a Ferrari. Uh, fa favorite movie? Um, a Few Good Men. Yeah, and uh, I, see, I thought you might say James Bond. Uh, That's two, yeah. You and I have this, uh, Abe and I have this old tradition where when the new James Bond movie would come out, or for a while it was when a new Star Wars movie would come out, because I had young kids, we'd meet at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night and go see the debut, so I didn't feel guilty when my kids were, that they were asleep, so okay. So James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to change it. A favorite day of the week? Um, Thursday. Why? I guess it's just one day before the weekend, like you got, you're almost there. You're almost there. Uh, your hidden talent or superpower? I think my wife says my superpower is that I care. Yeah. Yeah, but you've got a, you, you have a genuineness yeah. about you for sure. Uh, if you could pick one person, alive or dead, to meet for dinner, who would you have dinner with? Today, I think I would, you know, Elon Musk yeah. would be an interesting guy. Um, just to, to meet one-on-one -on -one with and just talk about everything that he's doing yeah. and where he sees the future. And why did he change it to X? Yeah. Abe <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kara, you're a, a dear friend, a lifelong friend. Thank you for Thanks joining us on Reputation Matters. From your years with Cuban to Shark Tank to Bold to now Legacy Night, congratulations on all your success and everything you're doing. And you truly, from a reputation perspective, walk the talk. So thank you all for joining us on Reputation Matters. We'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Reputation Matters. Find us at sunwestpr.com or your favorite podcast streaming service. Until next time.